2: Morning, Kings fans. What's going on, everybody? Oh, man. Best Kings team ever? I think that's a question we got to start asking ourselves after these first 21 games. Man, I mean, you watch a game like that last night, and usually I try to do these Twitter spaces right after the game, and I apologize because sometimes it's hard for me after the game. I have to drive home. I live in Orange County, so I mean, but then you, you watch that game, and it's just so exciting. So much. So much that happened. I mean, beating an Avalanche team the, the, the way they did, all the things that happened in the game, we'll, we'll, we'll go through all of it. But then you wake up the next morning, you want to turn on something. You want to turn on some sports show, some radio show, and hear about the, your favorite team. And there's really just nothing there. So, you know what? I thought I'd take the, take the opportunity to kind of do some more Twitter spaces maybe throughout the day during the week, and we'll see how, how good this does. and Maybe we'll do more of these going forward because, man, I'm having fun. Watching this team play. I don't know about you guys. But this is one of the more exciting teams that I can remember in Kings history. And that's why I start off with the question. Is this the best Kings team we've seen? Obviously, only 21 games into the season. But, I mean, damn, right? Expected goal leaders. Number one in points percentage in the West. Number one penalty kill in the NHL. We'll have to talk about that. Quinton Byfield scoring. Andre Kobitar, franchise leader in assist. Adrian Kempe, a monster. Dowdy Anderson. They were excellent last night. I mean, even the, even the pair behind them, Gavrikov and Roy. Outstanding game. And the Deno the, the, the line. I mean, you can go down the list. Last night, I mean, let's just kick it off with last night, right? It's just the first two periods, it sort of felt like the game against Washington, right? Kind of stoic. Not a lot going on for those first two frames. A little heart, not really heartbreaking, but a little disappointed to see the Avs get the first goal. You kind of wanted the Kings to come out firing. Avalanche had just played the night before. Colorado gets that first goal, is what it is. But that third period, man, I mean, that has to be one of the more dominating third periods I've seen this Kings team play, given the the opponent that they were up against. And I I know it was a team that they're playing in, in the back to back situation, but I mean, let's just I'm just gonna read off some of these stats off Natural Stat Trick from in, in the third period. 42, 44 total shot attempts on net for the Kings to only 12 for the Avalanche. 10 high danger chances for the Kings to only one for the Avalanche. Shots were 23-5 to five in the Kings' favor in the third period. and It's kind of funny, too, because, I mean, it's really almost similar to what the Kings did against Washington. They just couldn't solve Charlie Lindgren. But, man, I mean, some of the plays that they were making... Last night. That's why you just have to ask the questions. This is the best Kings team you've ever seen. And it, and so kind of just to kind of go over the, some of the format I want to, I want to do for these midday Twitter spaces. It's, it's similar to what, what I usually do uh, the post game ones. I'll rant for a little bit, talk, talk about what we just watched or what the team's going through. And then I'll open it up. So anybody wants to request to speak, uh, definitely I'll open it up at the end here. But man, I mean, and the play, the player of the game last night for me was Drew Doughty. I thought, and, and also Mikey Anderson, you might have to throw him in the mix. That duo, they just had a ridiculous game. Some of the defensive plays they're making, and it, it wasn't even really offensive. It's, it's funny because you you think of a player like Drew Doughty, we've always known him to be this really solid defensive player, and it, it, it almost feels like I shared that video of that uh, two on zero or two on one breakup that he had pretty much prevented a goal and kept it from being two nothing early on in the first, I mean, you you just kind of could watch when you watch him play. You can just feel that he just thrives playing in those type of situations like puck retrievals player. he, He loves seeing a four checker come trying to hit him and just spin away from that. It's like, he gets off on it. It's like his thing. And then those two on one situations, just using that stick, to break up that pass and break up that shot. That was a clear goal by Rantanen. That was going, That was wide open net. Talbot was just playing the shooter, doing doing what a goal he's supposed to do. That pass gets across. He, I mean, I'm sure he'll tell you if, the, if that goal goes in, he's he'll probably be disappointing in himself just letting that pass get across in the first place. Sure enough, he gets a stick on it, keeps it one nothing. Kings going at the end of the first intermission to down only one and then come out in the second. Quentin Byfield, man. He's turning into a player. He's turning into a player. I, and I, the thing is is like we haven't really seen any I feel like like 1v1 like or really like self made goals by byfield but I feel like a lot of it is just being in the right place at the right time which is exactly what you want to see from a player as that's only 21 years old, right? You want to see a player that knows where he needs to be in the right situations. Especially when you play like a play with a player like Kopitar. Kopitar is going to give you the puck. If you're in the right spot, Kopitar is going to find you. We saw that. And we've seen that in the last few years with Adrian Kempe. Adrian Kempe has become this lethal goal scorer, partly because of the chemistry that he's developed with Andre Kopitar. And now we're starting to see that chemistry coming to play with Quinton Byfield on that line and the goal scoring that's coming to fruition now. I mean that first that first goal that he scored. I mean it's just kind of a simple redirect, right? But that that mindset, just to drive to the net and put yourself in that opportunity, and Mikey Anderson throwing it on, just a simple redirect, kind of something out in really nothing turn play, just a slap shot on on net by Mikey Anderson. But Quentin Byfield's there in the right spot, right spot in the right time. One one. But then that third period comes. And man like like I said I thought that was one of the more dominating third periods the Kings have ever played. That passing play that they had like it's it's so funny cuz like we're all we were all just waiting for uh, Anje Kopitar to just it was, it was obviously going to happen eventually. And I'm sure it was stuck in the back of his head all these records that he's been breaking and so the assist record was I'm sure just lingering around. But for it to come on a play like that I know he he only got the secondary assist, but I mean, for that type of passing play to be the play where he passes Marcel Dion in the all-time assist leader for the franchise, I, I mean that's poetic because that was just a beautiful passing play. And not, and you have to even go back to Drew Doughty's entry too, right? That Drew Doughty pass that he had to Kopitar to set up that that uh, tic tac toe passing. I thought that was that was just an overall excellent play, and then I mean. Can we get more choreographed cellies, please? Uh, like, when you see that, that just kind of sh- exemplifies the chemistry and the camaraderie, the, like, the closeness that this team has. And that's what gets you so excited. It's not even necessarily the play on the ice, and obviously that's a, that takes a big part of it, but you see the, the chemistry between these players and how close they're becoming. It's not just it's it's guys that are playing for each other. That's what gets you so excited. You see the locker room dance videos after the game, and I think a lot of that has to go. A lot of that has to be because of the um, the acquisitions that Rob Blake has made. You bring in players like Gavrikov. You bring in a player like Cam Talbot, Fiala. All these all these culture guys who are going to bring the locker room closer together, and we're seeing that off the ice. With the the picture that they they shared at the pitbull concert I thought that was excellent by the way that's hilarious stuff and we're seeing that on the ice that camaraderie is starting to show because that that choreographedslly I need to see more of that I want more it's been a while since we as King's fans when we watched the team have as much fun as they're having right that that was one of the one of the more fun things I've seen from it from a uh, after a King celebration. And then you go to that Trevor Moore goal. <laughs> oh, man. I see my boy Joe is here listening. He called out. He said, bold prediction. 30 goals in the season for Trevor Moore. Everyone doubted him. Trevor Moore scoring 30 goals. The guy has never even scored 20 goals. What are you talking about? And then you see a play like that? Are you joking? If Connor McDavid did that, that's number one Sports Center. That's talked about across the league played everybody, Everybody Sportsnet. Everybody's talking about it. Podcasts, everything. Trevor Moore does it. Ho hum. They don't know. They don't see the type of elite player that Trevor Moore is becoming that we see. That's just a simple one V one spin move off of, off a defender roof's job within such a tight spot too, right? Just insane, insane play. Like it, it's, it, it, it got so caught up too, like with everything with the the fanfare behind Kobotar getting the assist leader or the assist lead and, and the celebration. And then Trevor Moore just comes out and does that. I'm like, Trevor, I'm barely trying to figure out what's going on. And you're going to have to pop off one of those. I thought that was beautiful. That That actually might've been the, that might be the goal of the season for me so far and it's like a perfect perfect definition of or illustration of the type of player that Trevor Moore is just that speedy that that quick first step to spin off a defender like that and just find that little space to score right there i mean oh man that was a beauty that was a beauty and then the empty net goal drew doughty behind his own goal line and i i knew it as soon as as soon as i saw him shoot it he just went straight over to Talbot. The whole team just went straight over to Talbot. And they were just celebrating the assist. I mean, damn. That was a big win. I know a lot of people are going to talk about the back-to-back for the situation with the Avalanche, no Cal McCarr. I get it. I get it. But for them to come out and kind of show that, hey, there's a little bit of lingering thoughts here about, okay, you got one goal through two periods, had just lost to the Capitals 2-1. to one. Maybe the, was it wasn't. These, these this weird schedule that the Kings are on right now where they only have like three-day breaks in between. It was kind of the, those thoughts of like, okay, has this offense kind of disappeared a little bit? Like, what's going on here? And then sure enough, they just, boom, pop off three goals in the third period. Excellent third period. Excellent game overall. Big win. Big win. Number one in points percentage in the Western Conference. Number one in expected goal share in the in the entire NHL. Number one penalty kill in the NHL. Best Kings team ever? It's looking like it. I mean, if you look at some of the stats, through 21 games. Kings are plus 33 goal differential. through 21 games. It's the best in Kings history. 14 wins in 21 games. Second most in franchise history you kind of just go back to the 2013-2014 season, 14 wins, 6 losses, 1 overtime loss. This season, 14 wins, 4 losses, 3 overtime losses. They're looking like it. They're looking like it. And that's the thing. It's not a fluke. I don't know if you guys saw the the Jay Fresh uh, post where he talked about or he shared the expected goal and the expected goal rate and how it's kind of Showing in the standings. And the Kings are they are right there. This is what they're expected to be. They're expected to be the best team in the league. And we're seeing it in the standings. I mean, damn. This team. I'm having a lot of fun watching this team. 81 goals through 21 games. 3.86 goals per game. 2.29 goals against per game. Insane. Insane. I'm going to try to bring up some more stats from last night because there's just too much to share. I mean, Quentin Byfield, ridiculous game. The um, the Deno line. I'm looking at some of Money Palk's stats right here. 19 shot attempts for, 7 shot attempts against. 91.2% expected goal share on the night for them. 73% Corsi. I think we're starting to see Kevin Fiala finally. It's weird. He's always kind of been known as a slow starter in the NHL. And we saw that a little bit last year, right, when he was paired with uh, Kopitar when he first came over. Uh, They didn't really get off to a good start. We saw it this year when he was paired with Dubois. I mean, they looked great in preseason. Then they started slow during the regular season. But now, I mean – now you have fiala with denoe and Moore. that's a trio that's becoming they're they're growing together and, and we always, we talk about it all the time fiala seems like the type of player that you kind of have to get acclimated to playing with and it takes a few games and these last few last few games i think this that line's been excellent and if they can continue that i mean you have that you have that line playing right behind the Kobotar line. And then you have Dubois, who I thought that line was, was pretty good, too. Carl Grunstrom is turning into a player, by the way. Carl Grunstrom is just – he's not – I mean, he's looked good on the fourth line minutes. And I know Tom McClellan said he, did, he didn't want to break up Grunstrom, Lazat, and uh, Lewis because they were, quote-unquote, money to start the year. He did end up breaking them up. And obviously, a lot of that had to do with Lazat being out of the lineup. And hopefully, Lazat can – comes back, excuse me, comes back on Tuesday. But Carl, he decided to make that move, kind of a surprise move where he switched Carl Grunstrom, or he switched to Grunstrom and Kaliev in the lineup and put Grunstrom with Dubois. And ever since then, we've seen Grunstrom kind of become more of an impact player as opposed to just being that kind of fourth line winger that's getting spot opportunities and now that he's getting more ice time I don't think it's really hurting his game at all I think we're still seeing Grunstrom kind of grow a little bit and it's weird to think about because I mean Carl Grunstrom it's always been in the like as a player you just kind of think okay just kind of a filler piece but I mean he's second round draft pick 26 years old 57th overall pick from Toronto in 2016 it's not like he was just some guy that was brought in here. This is a player that, growing up, he's, he's had a lot of potential. And we're seeing that. I, I, I love the chemistry that we're seeing from Grunge, from and Dubois, and, and LaFerriere so far. I think last night was one of their better nights as a line together. And I know they didn't score, but I still thought they had a really, really good game. And it, it's just... It's, This is a team that they're playing as good as they are without probably one of their best playmakers, and Victor Arvidsson's still not in the lineup. And, I mean, if you think about it, like, hold him out. Get him as healthy as he can. Victor Arvidsson could end up being that, like, top trade acquisition. The Kings don't really need to make any trades, right? I mean, I I don't see any part of the lineup that I would want to upgrade right now. We trade for a left defenseman? England's looking pretty good. He's Looking decent. You trade for a forward? Okay, maybe. Depending on if Arbitson eventually comes back, maybe trade for a right shot forward? Right shot centerman? I don't know. Someone that could, I mean, I say centerman, someone who could take faceoffs? I don't see it. I just see a team that's really complete. This is a team that looks like they can go. I mean, I, I'm just ready for playoffs. That's what That's what it is. It's a long season, and I'm going to have a lot of fun watching this. It's like I want to see this team already in the playoffs and see how big of an impact. But let's just enjoy this ride, right? I mean, we're only in the quarter, quarter pole of the season. We still have a long way to go. A lot of things can happen. But, damn, they're looking good so far. They're looking good. Let's open it up a little bit. Clark for Norris. What's up, buddy? How you doing, my man? Hello. Clark for Norris. What's up, bud? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing?
3: I'm doing great because of last night. That was that was excellent.
2: Dude, one of the one of the I feel like we're saying this a lot, but it's like each each win as each win comes by it feels more exciting at one win after another.
3: And it feels like we play better for each win.
2: That's what's that's what's weird It's like, yesterday. I mean, the first two periods were just kind of like, eh. I mean, you look at some of the statistics too, and kind of shows things were pretty even. Uh, yeah, shot attempts were pretty much down the middle through two period or through two yeah through two periods. High danger chances six five, even. But yeah, they turned it up in the third period.
3: Yeah, I mean. I don't think, like, the amount of games that we've dominated this year, I don't think we dominated that many games in the last, like, half decade. Right. Combined. I, this is this. Um, I became a Kings fan in 2009. I saw the cup teams. I saw everything. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best team I've ever seen.
2: Okay, yeah. I want to ask some of the speakers that come on here. So you think this is the best team you've ever seen? Yeah, and so what makes you say that? Is it the depth? Is it the, I mean, special teams? Is it all of the above? What do you What do you think?
3: I think it's the fact that everybody's buying into the system. Oh, I love it. Okay, and that's I think awesome. that's what makes. Okay. I think that's what makes the one three one run so well. I think my 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 theory, I guess, is that Todd didn't want to switch off of it for the last couple of seasons. Cause he was building up to this point where everybody is, has just completely bought into the system and it's the best system in the NHL.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, you have to point to a lot of Rod Blake's acquisitions too. And we've talked about yeah. that on, on our podcast on the hockey royalty podcast on, our, on YouTube as well. Um, if you look at some of the players he's brought in, Gavrikov, I mean, when we were, we were, all all of our heads were kind of looking toward uh, Jacob Chikrin to get brought over. And uh, obviously I was on the forefront of that and looking for a a defenseman that can kind of drive play a little bit, but that's not what they were really looking for, especially when this. like you mentioned the system that they play that one, three, one, you have that left defenseman who's going to play that blue line and really hold that blue line as, as, as much as they can. And Kavrikov was perfect for that. It's not really what he was meant to or he was doing in Columbus because they don't run the same system. But Rob Blake saw that, management saw that. They saw a player that is able to hold the blue line very well, and we've seen that. I mean, just if you just pay attention to Gavrikov and the way he plays, he he does that defensively. He also does that in offensive zone too. He's one of the best defensemen I've I've watched in the Kings in, in quite a while. That is able to to pinch in the right spot, at the right time. We've only really seen like very few mistakes. And I, I point to, I think it was the last game in Washington where it was like one of the rare mistakes that you saw the Gavrikov Roy pair made um, where Roy made a bad pinch. And then Gavrikov didn't really play the two V one very well. But I mean, most of the time with if not all the time Gavrikov or just, it just picks the right spot, at the right time to, to make those pinches or, or use a stick in the right spot. It's, it's just been an incredible defender to watch. And obviously his impact on in the locker room is just huge as well so just one of the best pickups of the an underrated pickup that Rob Blake made going into last year and then and then the contract extension over the summer
3: i you know what i'll be the first to say that i hated the trade like i didn't hate the trade because you know um because i thought we shouldn't get rid of quick or because i didn't want to give a first mm-hmm. i just hated the trade cuz I was looking at Gabrikov's analytics in Columbus and I was very not impressed. And I know he had a game uh, earlier last season, I think in the, like the first month or so where he had a minus seven game score. <laughs> and that was kind of just like sitting in my head. And then I saw him play for the Kings and I was I was sold after the first game. I,
2: I believe I, was, I could be wrong here, but I believe he was like one of the worst defenders in an average game score uh last year before the trade was made. And yeah,
3: I think he might. Yeah, he was like he was like three of the top 10 worst performance or the bottom 10 worst performances. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what everybody was kind of looking toward. Right. I mean, you, you it's becoming analytics are becoming more and more toward the pro- forefront in terms of it's, it's like we I, we've talked about this before. It's like when trades are made where when uh, free agents are signed, I don't really look to, to just raw just point totals I look at. Okay, what's his relative expected goal share? What's, like, all these underlying numbers? And so, yeah, when, when Gavrikov was acquired by L.A., that was what everybody was looking toward, and, and kind of rightly so. But, I mean, I'm right with you. I wasn't really a huge fan of the trade. It, it made sense because that's obviously a player that the Kings were looking for in, in a left-shot defenseman and trying to upgrade the goaltending situation with Corpo but yeah, I, like like I mentioned, I was looking toward a player like Jacob Chikrin. Like, why don't you bring in more of a play driving? In my opinion, more of a play driving defenseman because that felt like that's what the Kings needed. But for the system, Gavrikov was what the Kings needed, and and that's what we're seeing.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you can't you can't really praise Blake enough for everything that he did this past off season. Um, he righted the ship with uh, with. With Peterson being gone for dirt cheap, mm-hmm. if if I if I may say that that was, I don't know how he didn't give up a first there. Um, the Dubois trade I thought wasn't bad. Um, I mean, we'll still there's still, you know, plenty of runway. We'll see how it turns out. But I think just the fact that we have him and the fact that we can run four lines, and the fact that every line can play more than you know 11 minutes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. last year you had you had the fourth line with McEwen playing like 5 minutes and you know Alex Edler. they just got caved yeah yeah it
2: was just there there were still spots in the lineup last year where you were like okay well we can't really rely on him in this situation we can only play him like you mentioned like a player like McEwen or whoever was in the lineup can only play him 5 or 6 minutes and that but, I mean, you could pretty much run – Tom McClellan can run any line out there, any defensive pair out there, and feel pretty comfortable. And that's kind of how I feel, like, when I'm watching this team play. Like, I don't care if Andreas Englund and Jordan Spencer are out there for a defensive zone face-off. I, I'm okay with it. I mean, even some of the – four, even, yeah. even when Blake lazard is in the lineup, he's able to drive play in any t- any side of the ice or any – I mean, and, yeah, when you have that – those three top lines that the Kings have to go along with Lazat in that fourth line. It's a deep team. And that's why you talk about one, is this the best team you've ever seen? Or, I mean, obviously I feel like they're the best team in the NHL. I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. And I think a lot of people are starting to, they're starting to turn a lot of people's heads across the, across the league too. So that depth is, it's going to be a key word that we're going to be talking about throughout the whole season. And it's, it's just coming into play each and every night.
3: I think, on top of that, it's not like in um, in 2014 where our prospect cupboard is completely empty. We have yeah. probably one of the best defensive prospects in the NHL just sitting in, you know, on the rain, and we have Turcot there, Fagamo or I'm not sure how you pronounce this, Figimo, um, Chromiak. We just drafted Zemer, who is almost two mm-hmm. points per game in the OHL, um, or in the W. Sorry, but we. We have an insane prospect pool as well, so this is probably a sustainable past this year, maybe a lot a long time past this year. Mm-hmm.
2: At least, yeah. I mean, some of the contracts that they have. I mean, that's what's nice. I mean, to be able to be able to get that Andre Kabatour extension done as as early as they did too. It's not really in the back of anyone's mind. So, I mean, these next at least two years after this year with Kopitar still around, and who knows? Maybe the way he's playing, maybe he sticks around until he's 40. I mean, you just kind of watch him play, and you're just waiting for him to kind of slow down a little bit. And, man, he's always getting better, it seems like, with age. Um, so, yeah, you have that depth in that prospect pipeline where, let's say, a Matt Roy does end up walking to free agency after this year. You're able to just slide Jordan Spence up in the lineup, who's looking very good, by the way. Jordan Spence, I, I feel like he's becoming... It's kind of getting overlooked a little bit by a lot of the great things that Quinn Byfield's doing. He's just becoming a great player. And it's really his f- first full year in the NHL. I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Spence. But let's say, yeah, like I said, if, if Matt Roy does end up walking, you can just slide Jordan Spence up and then, boom, Brant Clark uh, gets a full year of AHL experience under his belt, gets matured a little bit, learns the game a bit more, learns the system a bit more. And then you can step right into the NHL system going into the next year. I mean, the Kings—the Kings are deep. They're deep, and they have a lot of good um, contracts. A lot of good contracts, very valuable contracts, um, to help help them out with. Let's—I'm gonna pull up their cap friendly real quick.
3: Uh, yeah, with the. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, I was just gonna say. I mean, Phil Deneau, know five point five for the next four years. Adrian Kempe five point five for the two more years after this year. Trevor Moore, that Trevor Moore contract is going to be incredible. By, by the way, I mean, if he's able to eclipse, just even thirty goals this year, but at only four point two million dollars for the next four years after this year, huge. It's just the I think the big question mark now going forward after this year is going to be, or even maybe when we start talking about it uh, as we get as the season goes along, is what. Do you sign Quentin Byfield for now? And I think that's going to be the the big the next big step or the next big contract that Rob Blake's gonna to have to think about because uh, he's an RFA after this year. So I expect it to be a bridge deal. I expect him to sign for maybe three years, five six million dollars a year. Uh, get him, and then you give him that kind of big eight year whatever size. Cap hit you, you want to look toward because then I, I know a lot. I don't know if he's going to want it, to sign a huge eight year deal right now, and I don't know if the Kings want to give that to him, especially with how their salary cap is looking with two more years of Andre Kobitar at seven million. And then obviously, you have Dubois' contract 8.5, so not a lot of space these next two years. So maybe you get Byfield in in a bridge deal, and then you give him that big that big contract in a few more years after that. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these contracts, Mikey Anderson too. That's a huge, that that thing's going to age so well. I mean, Rob Blake's just set up this team for success in the future. I mean, now and in the future. So it's, it's exciting.
3: Yeah, I think, um, I think I, I saw somewhere that Byfield's not, uh, Byfield's camp isn't talking with the Kings yet. Um, they're probably just going to evaluate, as the season goes along, I'm not sure if he wants to bridge because I I read somewhere that um, I think Elliot Friedman was talking about it on 32 Thoughts that he might just want to get the bag right away. Okay. Um, and with Roy and Arvidson coming out and the cap being projected to rise to $89 million after this season, um, I think it's very possible, but I don't see how we'd be able to afford... You know, unless we also bridge, you know, like a, like Kaliev, Spence, um, mm-hmm. Grundstrom. Lazat. Lazat, yeah. I, I, I'm still not sure what we do with Lazat because obviously we keep him. But do we sign him to like a, you know, a low AV, like two-year deal? Or do we sign him to like a slightly higher AV, but like, like, a, like, a, like a Frederick Gaudreau kind of deal?
2: I'd love uh, to sign Lazat to some like uh 5 year like 2 2.5 2.75 million dollar deal or something like that. Something I mean, if you can keep Blake Lazat around this team, you kind of solidified that fourth line center position at a pretty low cap hit. Uh I, th- I mean I think Lazat can be he's he's still only 25 years old. Uh, when's his birthday? December 13th. So it'll be 26 in December or next week, week after next. But yeah, if you can keep him around long term, kind of solidify that spot and not really have to worry about that fourth line center position. You obviously have Kopitar for two more years. You have Dubois. You have Deneau. So you're Then you just solidify that center center, uh, that spine for the Kings, right? For, For the future. I mean, but the, then you have to think about, okay, well, where does Alex Turcotte come into play with this? Is he going to be the future center for this team? Or maybe you look at turning him to a winger to start off. And then you can, I mean, the Kings have always been a team that's not, not afraid to to switch their center over to the wing and maybe go back. Obviously they did, they're did. they doing that with Byfield. So that'll be something to think about, but I think losing, a, I, th- I think they have to re-sign LeSau. I think his, his impact on this team is very underrated and he's, he's integral to this team's success. So to try to keep him, I think would be huge. I just don't see them keeping a player like Arvidsson, Matt Roy. I've come to, I've, I've come to the notion that he's going to end up walking just because I feel like some team will give him a, a big payday uh, for his contributions. And then hopefully maybe he does well in the playoffs this year. But yeah, there's uh, some, some big decisions coming up for Rob Blake after this year. But good thing we don't have to think about that too soon.
3: Yeah, and um, when we do finally get around to thinking about it, we'll have a, we'll have a cup uh, to think about instead. <laughs> Absolutely, so. right? Love it. Yeah. All
2: right, bud. I appreciate you hopping on here. I'm going to move to the next person. Okay, but... thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Hope you have a good one. You too, thank let's you. Keep it, let's keep it rolling. I'm having fun doing these midday Twitter spaces. We should do more of these. Spring in Corey. Corey, what's up, my man? How are you doing? Good, buddy? Russ. How
0: are you doing today, buddy? I'm
2: doing pretty good. Did
0: you get big Yeah, awesome. that was awesome, man. Good, good to see the uh, the bounce back of the Capitals game.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, hey, I was just curious your thoughts. You so you... I was uh, I was talking to my buddy the other day, and um, we were just again you mentioned that the Kings are deep right now, which is awesome. Just looking at um, Ontario with um, Turcotte and Fagamo um, and um, uh, Clark. When do you think those guys will get a chance to to get a look up here? Is it going to be based on injury? Um, also, with, you know, Lazat going down, I thought that might open a door for Turcotte. Could you just kind of talk upon that and maybe what the Kings are thinking and um, maybe why we didn't get a chance to see Turcotte coming up or, you know, what's involved as far as, like, the way the their contract situations and, and how that goes down?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um of been a big topic Topic is Alex Turcotte and why aren't we seeing him in the NHL but I see it like this this is really the first real time we've seen a good real stretch of Alex Turcott in the AHL. obviously he's dealt with a lot of injuries kind of hampers his starts of the season also the ending of his seasons as well what was it a couple years ago or last year I forget what it was he just had the, he didn't really have a great offseason so I feel like this is really the first time that we're seeing Alex Turcotte kind of get, gain some momentum and, and and get comfortable playing in a full stretch uh, with the Ontario Reign. And when you saw Lazat go down and kind of leave the lineup, yeah, I mean, everybody was pointing toward, okay, we got to get Turcott in there. just makes the most sense. And I, I agree with that. The only, the only reason I, I didn't want to see them move Turcott is because it didn't feel like Lazat's injury was going to be too long, he wasn't going to be out for an extended period. What is it? It's been what five games so far. So, and it also sounds like Lazat's gonna be back on Tuesday. Uh, if not, he was he, there was a he was close to returning last night, but it seems like they just wanted to hold him off. But so I don't know, I just didn't feel like the, the need to, to hamper the momentum that Alex Turcott is generating playing for Ontario right now just to give him five games with the Kings. I mean, if you think think about it, like think about the chemistry that he's developing with some of those other young players that we talked about, Sammy Fugimo, Brant Clark, a lot of the players that he might be playing with in the the near future for the Kings. So let's keep developing that chemistry that he's he's gaining as opposed to just trying to just throw him into a lineup, get him, get him in some games, just to, just to get him NHL experience and then having to send him back down because, we know he's not gonna stick in the lineup once Lazat comes back. Lazat's gonna end up just taking his spot. So I thought for them to call up just for those spot these spot games while Lazat's out for a short short period of time, I thought that would kinda do more harm to his game than it would do any good to kinda get him just NHL experience just to get him the NHL time. Yeah. So I kinda I like I like I liked the fact that they kept him down there. But yeah, it's gonna be like you talked about, it's probably gonna be an injury or a long term injury that's probably gonna have to happen for us to see those type of players, those young players come up and get, get their chance because I mean, just the the way that the team is looking right now and how, how solid they are throughout the entire lineup with, I mean, that fourth line is looking pretty good. Obviously one of the, they were, they were one of the best fourth lines in the league with the way they were playing with Louis Lazat and Gruntry yep. at the time. And now you have Caliev there and Caliev has played well with Lazat. So I'm curious to see how those three play together once Lazat comes back. But yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was a good idea to just kind of keep Turkot down there and just let him kind of continue this strong play that he's having and, and gain a little bit more confidence in in his game until they they really need to, to
0: call on his name. Yeah, that makes sense. You made a good point too, the fact that this kind of is the first time we have seen a little bit of sustained momentum out of him, right? With those injuries. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. You want to keep keep building on that, right? And like hopefully we can just that just continues.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean I love that everybody's calling for Alex Turcotte's name to get called up, and this is, it's really the first time i really ever heard that that call from the fans, so I mean, yeah, it's great. Let's just keep seeing it more and more, and then when his name is eventually called, maybe he's more comfortable, more confident, and then we see a good player
0: coming out of that. For sure, and then last question, I'll um, just, I mean, the Kings have been so good. Um, I, I'm kind of a, a Velarde guy, so I guess my, my opinions are going to be a little bit biased, but um, with, mm-hmm. with the size of the contract and 8.5 million for pure Luc Dubois, um, do you think, um, so far what you've seen out of him, just kind of give, if you could just kind of talk about your perspective on, on the start of the season, um, maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, you know down the road, what it might look like, um, in a situation where I know like Jack Eichel going to Vegas, maybe he didn't have the greatest start there. I don't know if that was more due to injury. Or just a new team, new environment, and that takes time to develop. Um, but mm-hmm. just kind of like your overall take on Pierre Luc Dubois, um, and is is he a type of guy that is doing more out there than I, I'm not noticing with like faceoffs and just overall um, not being a liability? But he he's kind of one of the, like, a, a funny player to watch. If you watch him, he he doesn't look like he gives a shit at times. I I, I kind of like most of the <laughs> stuff that people talked about him is kind of showing true so far. I. I want to hope that there's more down the road, but I uh, get curious. Your take on him?
2: Dude, it's kind of funny because you you hit the nail on the head. It's the you watch him play, and it's his. I don't know if it's his play style or or what it is, but yeah, he has almost this like I don't I don't give a fuck attitude while he's on the ice, and it, it's not even. And obviously, I don't feel like that's how what he's thinking out there. It's just that's when you watch him play. That's what it it seems like. Right. But if you, if you kind of look at a lot of the underlying numbers, he's he's playing really well. Um, I'm trying to bring up his 5 e 5 points per 60. So 5 e 5 points per 60, he's actually playing at the highest of his career, right. 2.2.9. So, I mean, he's not getting the power play opportunities probably that he was in Winnipeg or Columbus. Right. So that's why we're probably not seeing those point totals right. up a little bit more. But at 5 e 5 I think he's playing really yeah. well. The, the the thing that McClellan has talked about the most is his off the puck play, yeah. and that's what he's still trying to learn. and And that makes a lot of sense because the big the big the big na- or word that comes to mind for this Kings team a lot is system, yeah. and they play a system type of game. So it's not it's gonna it's not gonna be easy for a player like Dubois, who's been playing in all these different kind of environments and had this like background behind coming behind him to just get acclimated right away. Yeah. Especially as a centerman to this King system. Yeah. So it's going to take a little time. But, I mean, when you watch Dubois, when he has the puck, he's like... He, one thing that I've noticed, too, he's, he has very sneaky acceleration to his yep. game. <laughs> his, his skating, it, it's weird. He's got, like, these little short strides for how big he is, but he's still able to generate so much power and speed from those strides and just skate by players and use that strength that he has to just fiend off defenders. And his his play through the neutral zone, I think, has been one of the, his biggest strengths that we're seeing throughout this game. And once we see him kind of – I'm curious to see how he'll start playing when he maybe gets better wingers. And I, I don't want to knock on the play of LeFarriere or Grundstrom, but I'm curious to see what would happen if, like, in a few years when he's playing with players probably like – like a Byfield or Kempe or who, anybody else who's still still around the Kings and maybe have a little bit more offensive mindset to their game. I'm curious to see what that will look like. Because I know a lot of people are pointing toward that $8.5 million cap hit and we want to see more important production. And I get it. But I'm not going to start looking at that cap hit until Andre Kopitar yeah. leaves. Because that's when he's going to be looked at to be, okay, Kopitar's not around anymore. Right. You're getting paid the big bucks now you have to be this top centerman for this Kings team when they don't have an Andre around. So let's see what you can do. But for right now, the Kings are winning. They're they're one of the best teams in the NHL. And and maybe, and I don't know, it's not because of his point, but Dubois point production, but I think his impact in the lineup being that solid third line center, second line center, whatever you want to call it on this team I think that's huge and kind of underrated for uh, the success. So I far agree for the Kings. And I agree. It yeah. seems
0: like it doesn't matter like what line you throw over the boards, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like they can just kind of yeah. play with everybody. It's just like all the way top to bottom.
2: Yeah, and and this is why this is why I want to see this. I want to see this Kings team in the playoffs, and I, I just cross my fingers everything goes right, and, and they end up getting a good spot in the playoff. Hopefully, get home ice advantage. That'd be great. But that's when I'm going to look for a player like P.L. Dubois to make an impact because he's got that strength. He's got a little bit of that snarl that we haven't really seen yet. But once you get in that playoff environment when the games are like so so hectic, so so intense, so tenacious, that's when I want to see Piel Dubois come to the forefront and use that strength, use that size, use that tenacity in his game. And then maybe he looks makes a little bit more of an impact than we're seeing now on the ice. But I think a lot of his underlying numbers are kind of getting lost in the weeds uh from his uh maybe lack of point production so far.
0: Awesome Russ. Thank you so much for your breakdown, brother. You do a great job. Keep it up, man.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate you hopping on here. Have, Have a good, good day, one. Russ. Oh guys, we're 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 lucky here. We are lucky. Our boy my boy Joe Paterino has blessed us with his presence. Joe, you there my man? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you, bud. What's there up? we go. Hey, how you doing? I
1: appreciate you doing this, Russ. I like I, the midday. Yeah,
2: pre- Yeah, why not? It's, you know, it's better than the it's two a.m. Awesome
1: uh, for me. That's for sure. Post game <laughs> two a.m. You know, we
2: got a lot of. There's a lot of East Coast Kings fans. You're one of them, <laughs> obviously. We we got to give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of space and time here. Yeah, I
1: like that. I like that. But I I wanted to just touch on PLD a little bit more because I get the points are not looking like a guy who you just signed to this long-term contract, but, you know, you looked at his points per 60, which is, you know, right there. He shot assist per 60. He actually leads the team. So that being passes that lead directly to shots, he leads the team mm-hmm. in that category. We've talked about it, Russ, on the show on the Hockey Royalty podcast about, I mean, he's a zone entry machine. You know, the way he carries the puck into the zone is at one of the higher levels in the NHL. And I know the points are not coming, but I feel like when you see the way he's moving and distributing the puck, the way he's controlling the blue line and entering the zone, which leads the team, his controlled entry percentage, by the way, leads the team, as it would have last year too, when he was at Winnipeg, he was great in Winnipeg at that. So that's not new to his game. I think one of the, the biggest difference I see right now, at least from a number standpoint, He's just not shooting the puck anywhere near as much as he did in Winnipeg. I'm not sure okay. if there's a reason for that. Maybe he's just getting comfortable. Maybe he's just getting um, acclimated. You know, maybe it's just simply because he's at least you know right now playing with guys that are. He's just there to dish the puck to, right? Carl Grunstrom, Alex Lafarriere. You know, maybe that's it's as simple as that, but. I I also think, and I know you've talked about it, and I agree with this, that really the the grade of this contract is going to come as he's asked to do more, like play higher in the lineup, play on the first power yeah. play, which right now they simply aren't asking him to do. He's not playing on the top power play. He's not – you know, he's playing plenty of minutes. You know, they kind of rotate those lines pretty, pretty evenly, but um, – I think that'll come. I think the points will come. And the last thing is is when you look back, I looked at from twenty 2020, twenty the twenty 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 one through 2022-23, like his most common line mate was Kyle Connor, one of the top goal scorers yeah. in the league. <laughs> right. I mean, and he's played with exactly in that, same, in that same time frame. His top three forwards, I think, were Connor, Ehlers, okay. and Blake Wheeler. And listen, I love Alex Laferi as much as the next guy, Carl Gerson as much as the next guy, but they're not quite at that level, and I don't think he's fair to expect them to be. And, you know, he didn't quite mesh with Fiala uh, over the course of the start of the season. I think maybe that's just a stylistic thing. Um, but I still think he's doing a lot well. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. He needs to produce more. Like, he can't score 40 points. That's not an acceptable number. But if you consider he is doing a lot of other things well, and I've beaten this drum countlessly. I think mean, if you want to get him some more production, I think you get him a player that's got a little bit more production in him uh, and a guy like Trevor Moore, I think that would do wonders. And I don't think it would take anything away from that second line. So uh, that just just wanted to, to hop in on the PLD discussion. I do think there are some things to the call. I, I forget not who it was. I'm sorry. Was it Corey? I can't remember who it was, so sorry about that. But, you know, there are some numbers that indicate he's doing plenty well. Um, and the point's not are just not there quite quite yet. But I, I think they will come.
2: Yeah. I'm looking at some of the, his shot attempts at 5v5. Uh, yeah. Last season, he was at 14.92 with Winnipeg. Uh, this year at 12.16. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely a tick down there. And if you do all situations,
1: yeah. it's even more. I think he was over 16 because he was playing top power play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I know he was doing a little bit of power play with, with LA top power play for a little bit there, but yeah, for, for for one reason or another, and, and again, I don't know, I, I can't pinpoint if it's a system thing, if it's a getting comfortable with a line mates thing, um, to why he's shooting. what well, he's attempting, like, four less shots a game, three, four less shots a game. You know, that adds up.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because I just, yeah, I pulled up the all situations points per 60. It's the lowest of his career, and the five v five points per sixty. It's the highest of his career. So yeah, five v five. He's doing great, yeah. and that's kind of where you want to see players perform better five v five. Obviously, then you maybe just get the power be, become power play merchants. Um Yeah, I'm. I'm not really too. Are you worried at all with Dubois so
1: far? No, and I know this always gets. There's like two different things: there's the trade and then the contract. I love the trade. I'll always love the trade. I think the trade itself was a no brainer. I can understand the hesitancy about people being concerned about the contract, but I am not worried. There's nothing in this 20 games that has me worried about the contract. You know, if in another, I don't know if, if he ends the season with 40 points, but even still, I'd like to give him, I mean, this is going to be his first year in a new environment. I would kind of want to give that like a second year. You know what I mean? Like let him give a year, yeah. get kind of acclimated and then see how he does next year. So I'm I'm not going to judge it this soon. I understand from a goals and assists perspective, it's not where people want it to be, but I'm I'm not worried right now. No.
2: I mean, if he ends the season with 40 points and they 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 win the division and set a franchise point record, like <laughs> is anybody com- really going to be complaining? Are we complaining at that point? I mean, there that's, what, be that's what I want to ask. Them. There will there, be. There complaints. will be complaints. That's what's so wild. It's like, why are we complaining at that point? Like, why are we so invested in individual statistics when the
3: team overall
2: is performing better? Like, what are we, like, the Vancouver Canucks from a few years, from a while ago where they're just, yeah, like Ryan Kessler won a selfie trophy. Like, sure, yeah, it's great. But the Kings are winning Stanley Cups. Like, what does it really matter? Like, what are we really, what's the importance here? That's what I'm targeting. The, the team overall is playing well, and that's my feeling my opinion is that P.L. Dubois' presence in the lineup has a big reason for that. I agree So I mean, yeah, so I think that's what everyone needs to get their focused on. It's like let's stop focusing on the individual statistics and yeah, I'm not gonna say, sit here and say that I'm happy with 40 points, but I'm more than happy with the division win. So that's what I'm looking more toward. and I want to see this key, this team continue to play better. As opposed to just looking at those individual performances, but let me ask you, Joe. I don't know how much long how much longer I got you for, but do you see this this Kings team as the best team in the NHL right now?
1: It's hard to say. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, it, it, Boston just keeps doing it. To me, they're the best team in the West. I think, um, yeah. like Colorado. I know they did play a, a tired and macarless Colorado, so. It's rain of I guess, a little bit yeah. there. Um, but I think they're, they're probably the best in the West. Like, I think they've – I'm okay, like, even saying that they're – I think they're better than – at least playing better than Vegas. Um, the NHL, I mean, it's hard to say otherwise. When you look at what Boston's doing, we look at the Rangers doing, they're in the conversation, but – I mean the fact that the Kings are in the conversation is is all you need to know really. Like they're mm-hmm. they're clearly in the upper echelon of the NHL right now. When is
2: the Rangers game? And I, I know it's coming up. Is it the th- is it Thursday or is it
1: Saturday? Uh, Saturday is Saturday the Islanders. It
2: might be Sunday. I think it's Sunday, the tenth. Is it Sunday? <laughs> okay. Tenth okay. is a Sunday. That'll be a fun game. You think
1: Jonathan quicks yes? Ah, uh, let's see. The Rangers, the Rangers play. play. I think the, the Rangers, Rangers play Saturday against Washington. I can. Yeah, I bet Shuster. Yes, I bet Schuster. Quick will definitely go against the Kings. That's what Ooh. I said. Shuster is going to go Washington in the division matchup, and then Quick's going to go against the Kings. Oh man! Oh man! That should be fun. On oh, that,
2: <laughs> it, it might be a it might be a,
1: a Copley a Copley Quick Copley Quick matchup because the Kings played the Islanders the day before. I mean, I actually, you know, I mean, I would go Talbot, of course, because the Rangers are, are the better team, but you never know.
2: This this ca- this season, the way it's going so far with the perform. I mean, some of the ex-Kings that are out there, I mean, we're just talking about Jonathan Quick, but Sean Walker. Hey. Oh, <laughs> he, I love what I'm seeing out of Sean Walker. I, I just, I can't believe there's articles being written about, about how, how he's like one of the biggest names to target and trade.
1: Hey, like, I think, you know, he, he was not as bad as he was made out to be. Like, he's not a bad player at all. He really isn't.
2: He has got stuck with Alex Edler, right?
1: Well, that'll do it.
2: <laughs> that will do it. I mean, there was, what, what, two, three years ago when he was – there was a stretch <laughs> there for a while. It was like a month of March there a couple years ago where he was like one of the leading producers in points for the Kings, or in the NHL actually, as a defenseman. And yeah, I don't know, maybe he just got kind of lost in the weeds with the pre- the the um impact of Sean Dursey in the lineup and his presence. Mm-hmm. So it kind of moved him down a little bit. Matt Roy obviously came up and you're not gonna usurp uh, Drew Doughty's yeah. place. So Yeah. I mean, but it's weird because like I like watched a game, I don't know which game it was. Maybe it was the Philly Philly um Pittsburgh game. And I was like, okay, I gotta see if this was for real for Sean Walker. And then I'm watching it and I'm like, Philly's scoring and Sean Walker's on the ice. I'm like, "Man, yeah." Yeah, it's pretty yeah. I don't I think a lot of people were kind of pointing to Sean Dersey being the big defenseman the Kings lost, but hey, maybe Sean Walker was kind of a bigger
1: piece that went under the radar too. And Dursy's playing well too. Um so that's that's it's good to see them both, you know, they were both more just uh, lost in the shuffle. And Brock Faber is another one. He's played yeah. great too in Minnesota. So look at the depth that the Kings have added that they traded away. And they still have their top prospect is a right shot D that's in <laughs> Ontario. So it's kind of crazy. I, I will say, because I know there's been a lot of uh, some conversation about the schedule and it's been a little light. Maybe people say for the Kings, all the rest and everything and, you know, You still got to go win the games. You have to take advantage mm-hmm. of it and bank those points, and they've done that because they're gonna. It's all even going to even out in the wash. They're gonna play like today. They, this this week they got four games this week or whatever it is. You know they go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. I think so. It gets real busy here real quick. So you know we'll see how they how they come out of the next couple of weeks here with a much more compact schedule. But they did their job. They they banked the points they needed to bank. Yeah, for sure. I mean, points. 14, 4, and 3 in 21
2: <laughs> games. I, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. No. Nope. But, yeah, you're definitely seeing a schedule that's going to become a little bit more tight. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you play a game last night that they played, which is weird. I mean, first of all, having a 5 o'clock game, I'm sure you were loving it, but a 5 o'clock game on yes. a Sunday? <laughs> I was – you know what's funny? So, true story, I was actually like two I, – I arrived. I tried to get to the game like an hour early, get set up, blah, 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 blah. But I arrived to the game like just as the puck was being dropped because I thought it was a six o'clock start. I was like, <laughs> I got there and I'm like, what the hell? Like there's there's warm ups going on right now. Like what's going on? And then sure enough, it's like I look at it, and it's like five o'clock. What the? I was like, what the hell? So but now you have that and then they have to fly to Columbus. I'm sure they're flying today. Um, Yeah. So now you're looking at a schedule that's going to be a little bit more arduous in terms of their travel and, and going to city of city and, and more uh, games throughout the weeks, but I'm looking forward to it. Cause I, I wonder if the team is looking forward to it too. Cause especially the way they're playing um, you want, you don't want to be sitting around the practice time has already been done. You're, you're practicing especially as a player when you're just like, okay, we got to go another practice. Like they just want to get playing games. And, and it's like when the penalty, there's, there's not a lot of te- uh, stuff that needs to be kind of worked on right now too. So, I'm sure McClellan just wants to see this team just kind of get some momentum going as opposed to playing a game, getting a couple days off with some practices kind of mixed in there, and then get right back into work. I'm sure he wants to play a game, day off, get right back at it. Because, I mean, the penalty kill's looking great. Power play is kind of – it's getting there. But, I mean, the way that they're playing five on five, too, is still one of the best in the league. Absolutely. Joe, do I, do I got you for a little longer? I want to ask you one more question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are you seeing in the penalty kill that's changed so much or that's improved the penalty kill so much from last year to this year? That's
1: that's a great question. And I'll be honest, I haven't, like, studied it like I'd like to. Um, It seems that they are a little more aggressive at times, at least when they need to be, because I feel like there were too many times in the past where there was – a pass would maybe go cross-seam and a player would have – like one, two, three full seconds almost to make a decision um mm-hmm. with the puck. And that was just too much. It seemed like their back guys were a little late to front them. And I think that's been better. And I, I mean, I don't think we can overstate like Cam Talbot is making a lot of saves on the penalty kill. Yeah, the Kings were getting last year. I don't. I'd have to look. I remember looking. This was this was a couple weeks ago at this point, so I don't know if it's still the same. But like their their um, like expected goals against and high danger against on the penalty kill, I don't think was like drastically different this year from last. Uh, again, it's been a few weeks since I looked at this, so it very much could have changed. Um, it's just last year they had a bottom, I think five penalty kill save percentage, and this year it's top ten and. I don't mean it to sound like that simplistic because I would imagine there's, there's more to it um, than that, but mm-hmm. it helps. Like, I'm looking at natural stat right now. Their penalty kill state percentage is number one in the NHL, you know, <laughs> and in terms of expected goals against per 60 on the penalty kill, they've given up the 12th most. So – I, yeah. Again, this is really like a quick way of looking at it and, and admittedly have not studied it in film to, to give it a proper answer. But just looking at some of the numbers, it's not as if I'd, I'd have to look. Their expected goals per 60, I think was I think it was top 10 last year, Russ, in the penalty kill. They genuinely weren't getting any saves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, like I said, at least on an expected goals per 60, It ain't great. Um, It's not, like, horrible. It's not league worst or anything. They're kind of league average and high danger chances against Per 60 uh, right now. They're middle of the pack, which is okay. I hate to say it. It's just they're they're getting more saves. Yeah, look, last year, Russ, one, two, three, they were seventh in the NHL in expected goals against Per 60. Seventh best. That's great. And now that was last year. That was last year. And now they're Terrible 12 penalty wins. kill. A terrible penalty kill because, as we all know, they had, I said bottom five, it was bottom two, say, percentage of the penalty kill last year. Mm. And now this year, their expected goals against, per 60, like I said, is 12th worst in the NHL. So uh, whatever the math is, what is that, 20th? How many teams are there now? 20th in the NHL versus 7th last year. Yet,
3: now they have. The number
1: one save percentage in the NHL on the penalty kill. So I think I said this like a month ago on the pod. It's like the old adage is the goaltender is your best penalty killer, and I, I don't always believe that. But boy, I think you said it maybe more appropriately that it's like, what did you say? Something like he's the most important penalty killer uh, in some <laughs> ways. It may not be your best, but he's certainly pretty important. And again. I I I think you have a league best save percentage in the penalty kill. That means that means something. Like I said, it's not as if their expected goals and high danger chances are better because they're actually worse for sixty, anyways. And those aren't perfect for special team stuff. But again, just kind of take a quick look at it from a number standpoint. It's you could point a lot of this to the goaltending. Credit to Credit yes. to
2: right. I mean that it's it's funny because I remember, I think it was around the draft time when like, right after the Dubois trade was made, every, everybody was kind of looking towards okay, well, like who's going to be our goaltender? When I mean, you only have so much. Everybody thought like, okay, well, they're probably going to have to trade Arbitson trade Roy. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody's going to have to get traded because mm-hmm. you have to bring in some kind of goaltender. You only have like two million dollars to spend, and I remember. I remember I shared a list of like goaltenders who could be signed at like one million dollars, one point five million dollars, and Cam Talbot was like right at the top of that list. And a lot of a lot of comments underneath <laughs> yep. were like, "Oh my god, this list is gross." And I get it, like yeah, yeah, you know, like some of the names on there were a lot of journeyman goaltenders that were just getting kind of getting up there in age, and and Cam Talbot was there was one of those names, especially. And, and it's even after the signing that the Kings made with Talbot, I mean, I, I thought. Phoenix Copley would still be number one, if not, like, they would share a lot more of the work. And I think that's what everybody kind of expected, even maybe Todd McClellan expected going into the season. I mean, that's what they had planned for the first two games, at least. But, man, I mean, the way that Cam Talbot has been playing, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, you have a, this kind of I – mean, we talked about this a lot when Phoenix Copley kind of came to – started playing for the Kings last year. Or would we kind of right around this time of the season, too. It's like you, you feel this like comfortability and calm and, and composure when watching Cam Talbot play. And like the, the same kind of conversation we had last year is like, I wonder if the team in front of him kind of feels that too a little bit and, and, and feels that his presence in net kind of helps them maybe defend a little bit, gives them a the confidence to know that they have that goaltender, that backstop behind them. That's not really going to let in those soft goals. But I think there's also, I mean, He's making big saves, too. He's not he's just making those saves that he's expecting to make. He's making the saves that not a lot of people are expecting him to make. And yeah. that's, I think that's why he's getting into that Vezina that conversation. What is that? Hey, Back, hey, back-to-back games? I don't games think anybody's. Makes... Go, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say back-to-back games, giving up two goals or less,
1: <laughs> pretty yeah. good. I, I, I just I don't think anybody expected. Can't help it be quite this good. Um, it, it's it's really it, it is impressive what he's doing. Um, so yeah, I, and I think he is probably like the. I think there's probably something that's 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 tweaked in the system. Again, I, I have not studied this, but I, I would suspect that there is. But I my if I had to pick a number one reason for the penalty kill being improved, it's Cam Talbot. Um, like I said, I just don't see a drastic difference And, like even I'm looking at a difference right now in, in hockey biz. Their expected goals against per sixty was just over was was seven per sixty last year. It's seven and a half this year. It's, so it's again, it's even higher this year. So uh, you know, I I I I don't know. I, I think Ken Talbot certainly
2: has a lot to do with this. If we're being honest, hashtag goalies, my friend. Hashtag goalies. <laughs> right, like, yeah, There's gonna. There's going to have to be a study done, and I, I keep making that comparison where uh, <laughs> goalies are, are the new running backs to the NHL, for the NFL. I mean, if you're able to have a good offensive line playing in front of a running back, you're going to, have to find a running back that's going to do well. And sure enough, kind of in the NHL right now in hockey, if you have a good system and a good structure mm-hmm. in front of these goaltenders, you're going to see goaltenders start to play well. And I, one, one stat, I don't have this stat in front of me. I don't know if you kind of know it offhand either, is I wonder what the, where the Kings are at in rush chances against. Because I feel like they they have to be one of the best teams in the league to that. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we see some of these
1: goaltenders playing pretty well. I don't have that in front of me, but it makes a whole lot of sense. Obviously, that's exactly what the one is designed to do, is to limit rush chances. Um, we know offensively they've been a, a, a heavy rush team. In large part, again, because of the one-three-one making those plays and then and then transitioning it into a rush the other way. Um, so I would suspect that that, that is a pretty big, um, a pretty big part of it is there's just they're not giving up as too many rush chances. But I and I think to be honest, this kind of speaks like full marks to Jonathan Quick because I thought he was toast. Yeah, because again, we we saw the Kings play a good defense last year. good defensive structure last year. one of the better expected goals against last year, one of the better high danger chances against last year, one of the better penalty kills in terms of chances against last year. and yet every puck seemed to go in the net. and so it's like you can't survive in that environment. boy, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. and he's doing a great job with the Rangers right now. so I'm I'm happy to see that his career, you know, I don't know what his the future holds, but he's at least if he doesn't go out after this year, he's going out in a much better fashion. Although he did win the cup, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> going out, playing a heck of a lot better, you know, uh, than he did last year. So that is good to see.
2: I just don't know if I have the mental capacity for another Rangers Kings Stanley Cup final. <laughs> if Jonathan Quick ends up being the starter for the Rangers, that might be Ugh. a little too much for us to handle. But Man. yeah, I I'm, I'm, I mean, as as much as like, You want to focus on the Kings and a lot of the stuff that's going on and maybe not think about um, past Kings. It's it's great, obviously, to see Jonathan Quick playing up to his level. And I I would love to see him get the start on Sunday. I mean, obviously, with the Kings record being what it is right now, it's not really that important of a game in terms of like, oh, they have to win games because they're on this losing streak or blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like hopefully you see them – Get the, and if, even if Jonathan Quick gets the win, or maybe a, a shootout win, like we, we could just go with that. I think I think Kings fans would be okay with that. There we but, go. Yeah, sure. so why, why not? But yeah, I think just Cam Talbot just has been just a remarkable signing. And just an overall just like these like diamonds in the rough that Rob Blake has found with Talbot, and then Andreas Englund, another player that I haven't really mm-hmm. talked about, has been just like this remarkable find in terms of like a type of player that. You you talk about all the time. It's like you just find the right player to play in the right system, and that's what England is doing.
1: Yeah, and you know we we saw like like Sean Jersey because there was so much conversation about left shot defenseman. You know this, but I think it's more it's less the handedness and just more the style of defenseman yeah. like Sean Jersey. If you looked at in the all three zones tracking in his time playing as a left defenseman, he was pretty good at stopping zone entries. Like he was very good at stopping zone entries. Why? Because he played the left side of the 131. That's exactly what it's designed to do. The thing with Dursey is he's a little bit more willing to be creative with the puck, if you will, where England, which, which I in general have been, been okay with. Yeah, I think you know that I kind of like that England yeah. very much knows who he is what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are. And that's as important as anything is knowing yourself and kind of knowing I am not Jordan Spence. I'm not going to try to be. So when I get the puck, I'm going to try to get rid of it as soon as possible and try to do it in a responsible manner. For England, that may be off the glass and out. You know, for another player, for a jersey, he may try to make a riskier play, which probably works more often than not. The problem is when it doesn't work, and it ends up in your net, it gets magnified. So nobody remembers the ones where it worked really well. Everybody just remembers the ones where it didn't go well. And that's just the, that's just the nature of the beast. That's the way it is. But, mm-hmm. yes, for, for England, it's so much more just he's, he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are, and he's playing to them to a T. And, you know, I didn't know anything about the player, really. I didn't like what I saw from a metric standpoint. But not knowing the player, I didn't have much of an opinion in the summer. Um, and he's certainly not my type of defenseman, but he is the type of defenseman for the Kings 131. No doubt about it. It's pretty wild to think
2: about. It's almost the same kind of thing with Gavrikov, right? You, Absolutely. You could have said the same thing you're saying with England. That we probably did say the same thing you're saying with England yep. that we said with Gavrikov last year. So all those metrics, we, I talked. I forgot who I talked about that with earlier, but.
0: Clark for that's-
1: Norris, I was listening earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and and he brought up a good point because there was so much of the conversation, wow, Columbus was a bad team. Of course he was going to be bad. But what the metrics try to do is try to dig a little bit deeper than that. Like he was not just among the problem, he was part of the problem in in Columbus. Now, maybe that's not totally his fault because maybe they were asking him to do more than he's capable of, because Maybe he's not that capable to do what they want him to do. <laughs> but clearly he is capable for what the Kings want him to do. And that's all that matters. And, you know, that's why I was very much wrong on when they acquired him. Um, just not, see, I was a miss by me, just totally missing the fact that he's a perfect, he would be a perfect fit for their particular system. Um, you know, it just, and he is, he certainly has been, there's no, no question. I mean that's what it
2: kind of what we're going to start looking at or looking at when Rob Blake makes these moves is okay, sure he's got these his underlying numbers, but the team that player is playing for. But let's see like where is he going to slot in for the Kings? Like, is it going to be is it a left shot defenseman that's just going to defend the blue line, like we've seen with Gavrikov and Roy or Gavrikov and, and England? Is it going to be? a goaltender who's making good saves in the right situations on the penalty kill, like we've seen with Talbot. So those are going to be a lot of things, that we're going to probably have to start looking toward as opposed to just, okay, let's look at his point totals, how he's playing. And that's where I want to see like some of these analytics evolve a little bit and see like, okay, how can you kind of combine some of those individual statistics with the players that they're they're playing with or the system and the environment they're in? Cause I mean, that was the big talk with Drew Dowdy when he was playing on this Kings team when they were terrible. It's like, oh, Drew Dowdy's washed. He's this player that he can never be the type of player he is again. But now if you look at, look at it, he's playing on a good team. He actually gives a fuck. He, he's playing some of the best talk he's ever played. And it's kind of the same thing with Kopitar, too. Is, well, although Kopitar never really – he's just – has always been yeah. outstanding. But, I mean, that's where I kind of want to see these analytics evolve a little bit. See if they can kind of combine that environment as opposed to just looking at the individual.
1: And I think that's what probably what a lot of the, uh, I'm assuming this, by the way, I've never actually seen them, of course, but you know, all these teams have their own private metrics and private models. And, you know, I, I know one of the things with, with Gavrikov, even when he was in Columbus was, I think sport logic had said, he was one of the better, one of the better players at breaking up slot passes and, my initial thought to that, or I think he had, he like led the league in slot passes broken up. And my initial reaction to that was, well, he's huge. So that makes sense. And two, if it's a raw number, which it seemed to be presented as, he's probably in the zone more than anybody else in his own <laughs> zone. So that also checks out. Um, but he, he certainly is doing more than I would have thought he was capable of when he came over. Cause I mean, even I watched the video after the trade and I watched it. I'm like, boy, I'm missing something here. (laughs) I'm missing something. And I was clearly missing something to where, you know, the way the Kings are so structured and he, he buys into it and fits into it perfectly.
2: I mean, a lot of those videos they were watching too. I mean, we all, we all missed. It was a huge miss on our, our part. I think a lot of people were kind of questioning the move and, and I'll eat that crow every night of the week. I mean, but his impact in the locker room has just been huge for this team. I think that, that presence, but I also wonder too, is that like confidence factor of playing on a bad team, as opposed to like knowing you're, you're playing on a much better team. So you're able to do a little bit more, maybe try a little bit more things. And, sure. and yeah. So maybe that's kind of a thing to see with Galvicoff, but man, I mean, talk about a great player and and, and that contract's actually, it's, it's great too. You got one more year after this year or after yep. after this year. And we'll see. We'll see what happens after that. But Joe, I'm. Um, I was only planning to do this for an hour, but you hopped on here and you made it a lot more fun. So I appreciate <laughs> you hopping on here. But uh, I'll. I'll just end it with you and and uh, like one more thing. You're a betting man. You you doing. You getting back into the the betting markets for any games
1: tonight? Tonight, no, I haven't. I haven't looked at tonight, so I'm. I'm going to be off tonight. But i Usually, what I, I think I told you to start right around the twenty game mark is when I try to get back into the swing of things. So. Um, not tonight, but I'm going to be looking to get back into things a little bit uh, in the near future. And I'm actually curious to see what, you know, if, if the odds makers, because it seems like the Kings are always a team you can get some value on. But I have to imagine that's out the door these days. We'll see how quickly they they responded to that.
2: Yeah, I think I saw them favored quite heavily in last night's game, which I'm sure changed quite a bit once McCarr was announced to be out. <clears throat> but I mean, even some of the Stanley cup odds, I don't know what they are now, but last time I checked, they were like plus 1400 on the market. That may be, I'm sure that's dipped quite a bit. I'd have to check again, but damn. I mean, the way that they're playing a lot of the statistics, obviously we're big. And we're big into analytics, expected goal shares, all that good stuff. I mean, they're up there. So it's like to see them getting the wins. It's like, it's, they're not outperforming their play. They're, their play is what it is, and this the, the points are
1: are showing that. You're right. By the way, there is 1400. There's I'm seeing even an 1800 at Fanduel. Um, so they're they're still, you know, compared to Colorado, who's in that 750 range. Um,
3: and What's even that, Dallas,
1: that? Dallas has better odds. Uh, Edmonton is right around L.A., almost the same. 1800, 1600. Um, oh, wow. There's a big big discrepancy at Fanduel, though. Like FanDuel has Edmonton at plus a thousand and the Kings at plus eighteen hundred. So FanDuel wow. is a big discrepancy. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I don't know what to think about the Oilers.
2: I I, I, I want to buy into the turnaround and I'm being totally objective. I'm not going to take my Kings fans' glasses off right here, but I, I want to buy into that, that turnaround for them. But I still get pretty worried about their defending and their goaltending.
1: I just don't know if Skinner can carry the load mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, and I know Brandon and I talked about this before, and, and him and I. He he's he's with you. He's not a Skinner guy. I know I'm a little bit more of a Skinner guy than than others, so I tend to be on the more optimistic side there from an Edmonton standpoint that they can turn it around. Uh, and I and I made a bet with him uh, on the show that they will make the playoffs. So I guess we'll see how that goes.
2: Oh yeah, I think. I mean, you look at the way that the playoffs are, are kind of situated right now. If they don't make the playoffs, it'd be huge. Like, I mean, the St. Louis Blues <coughs> and the Arizona Coyotes are sitting one, two in the in the wild card. I don't mm-hmm. expect either one of those teams to be around there. And then right after that, you have the Nashville Predators, who are twelve and twelve. The Flames, who are who seemingly look to be sellers at this point. I don't know. <coughs> they still they still could maybe be a, a decent team. You have the Kraken the Wild, the Ducks, and then the Oilers after that. So, I mean, obviously the Oilers have a lot to, to kind of make up, a lot of ground to make up. But, I mean, if you look at some of the teams that are ahead of them, it's like, yeah. ugh, I don't – Yeah, you. The, the West is very top-heavy, it feels like. It's very top-heavy. Mm-hmm. You have the Kings. You have the Golden Knights. I mean, the Canucks. I'm, I am I want to buy into the Canucks. I, I want to. I want to buy into it. i just I'm not there yet. It's not there. They're more real know. than not
1: real. How's that? Even if you're not fully buying, I think we can say that they're more real than not real. They're playoff. That fair?
2: They're a playoff team. I don't know if they'll end up being a two or three seed, but I think they'll end. I don't know. Actually, the way it kind of goes against my what I just said with the the wild card teams being kind of shitty. So,
1: I don't who know. catches them? Yeah, that's the thing. The- like Edmonton, is- Edmonton is 14 points behind them. Calgary's 10 points behind them. Yeah, I just don't know who. They're fourteen points behind them. Yeah, didn't even look at the point totals. Unless my math is way off, but I think that's right. No, you
2: are right. You have thirty-three points to nineteen. Wow! And you have the. I think they played each other like three times at the start of the year, and I think Mm -hmm. Vancouver won all three games. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I I expect obviously. I I expect the Golden Knights and the Kings to be one-two. Um. I'm curious to see how long Vancouver can hold on to this because I feel like the Oilers can overtake them for three. But, man, I I just I, – I want and I need to see the Kings get at least the number two spot. I need home ice advantage in the playoffs. So I feel like – like, I just want the Kings to continue this run and not lose kind confidence or, or lose focus and just – because these last two years has, has got Kings fans, and myself included, a little nervous come playoff time if they have to go up. Play on the road, although looking pretty good on the road so far. So maybe that can change a bit. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you hopping on here. I'm actually just going to go ahead and. and, I mean, this was fun. I like doing these midday Twitter spaces. Like you said, we got some East Coast fans. You're one of them. Want to hop in here a little hard after games, but let's do more of these. Maybe doing going forward. Maybe we'll talk about maybe doing a schedule. Maybe schedule once one of these a week uh, throughout the season. All right, bud. Appreciate you hopping on here. Kings fans, guys, speakers that hopped in here. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, sorry. I know there's more people that requested, like I said, only plan to do this for an hour, but we had a little bit more fun with my boy Joe hopping in here. So like I said, we'll hopefully be able to do more of these like a weekly show going forward, uh, Twitter space. Cause man, this, I'm having fun, having fun watching this Kings team. They're, they're exciting. They're entertaining and hopefully we can keep the winds rolling and see some, uh, some players playing well. So, all right, I'm going to call I'm going to call it a day. So I hope you guys all have a good one and go
1: kings go.